and inflationary pressure is mounting. We've literally had the 10-year treasury up above 1.5% as central banks around the world are starting to indicate that they're going to start to taper and potentially raise interest rates sometime next year. In addition to that, we've got oil prices surging around the world right now. We've got a natural gas shortage in Europe, and costs are going up because oil literally runs everything. So what do you make of the current economic environment right now? And meanwhile, we still have continuing infighting on Capitol Hill as they're looking to spend trillions, raise taxes. It's a tumultuous time, but we're going to give you the exact game plan you need right now to succeed in a crazy world. And in addition to that, on the tipping point today, we're going to talk about how your financial independence plan is like having a great flight plan to make sure you can create the most secure financial situation for yourself. So let's hop to it. We got a great show. Hit the music. Welcome to the Pain Points of Wealth, the podcast that addresses the pain points that come with creating, growing, and sustaining your wealth giving you a multi-generational perspective from three pains in a pod. Bob Payne, the boomer, Chris Payne, the millennial, and Ryan Payne, the generation somewhere in between. Hey guys, you know, the Wall Street strategists have been telling us for weeks, months, actually all year, that we're due for a 5, 10, 15% correction, and we're finally getting a little bit of pullback I mean, we have these wild 1% swings for crying out loud. And if you look at what's really down, you said it, Rye, the tech, the fang stocks, they're the ones that are down 5 to 10%. You look at Apple, Microsoft, Facebook, they're having a correction. But meanwhile, the rest of the market's holding very strong because the market looks forward. It's not looking at what the headlines are saying right now. No, I mean, a lot of what we've said in the past has been prophetic here, not to brag. But you know, we talked a lot about how, look, in the summertime, at the end of the summer, that these COVID cases were probably going to start going down again. And that's exactly what we're seeing. We're starting to see a lot of manufacturing that was halted around the world is picking up again. Like Nike literally couldn't get shoes out of Vietnam because their factories are shut down because of that Delta variant. So you know, you're looking at the global economy, it's picking up again. COVID cases are going down. The labor market's still strengthening as we're recording this. We have the unemployment numbers coming out this month, which I suspect are going to come in relatively strong. And you know we've talked about oil, we've talked about cyclicals for a while, guys, but the trend is happening. We literally have oil now at like $80 a barrel. Energy stocks are going through the roof. Financial stocks are going up. You're seeing again that great rotation that we've talked about a lot on this podcast since we started it last year. Well, you know, a lot of my clients are really starting to uh, pick up on the whole the fact that inflation may not be as transitory as the Fed had said before. Like, for example, one of my clients called me the other day and he had to ship a heavy piece of equipment. And he told me it cost him 21 times more than it normally costs just because the fact that oil and gas have just become so much more expensive and the fact that there's nobody to drive the truck. So the wages have gone up too. Well, that's true, Chris. And that's the thing. The markets focus on right now, at least the investors are focusing on what's the news right now. They're worried about the COVID variant. The fact of the matter is we're running out of people to infect, right? Everybody who could be infected has basically been infected. And believe it or not, I just looked at the statistics the other day. We're like 43rd in the world in terms of people vaccinated. The rest of the world is getting vaccinated. So the global economy is going to explode, you know, in the next two quarters. Yeah. And on top of that, it's like everyone follows suit with the U.S. We're talking about tapering the bond buying. We're talking about interest rates potentially hiking next year. Well, guess what? So is every other global central bank. They're going to be doing the same thing at the same time. 
So we're going to have this global inflationary environment that we've talked about for a long, long time. And in the meantime, it's the same thing everywhere else. Europe, they're having problems with labor. You know, you look around the globe, it's all the same issues we're having here, which again, speaks to one thing, we're going to have huge global inflationary pressure. And as we've said, you know, over and over again, like you've got to have a different portfolio to basically thrive in this new world that we're in now. You know, Rob, you're right about that, because the central banks around the world, they always look to the US to lead. But actually, New Zealand, the Central Bank of New Zealand actually raised their rates this morning, which I think is going to be a trend globally. But you know, here's the whole point. You know, we talk about the fear of this virus mutating. Well, we mutate. The economy, the global economy mutates. We've all have changed how we do things. And the economies are booming as a result of mutating away from the way things used to be done. Now, there are some near-term problems, right? We have this supply chain disruption. But if you're making stuff right now, if you have stuff in your inventory, you can charge whatever you want for it. I mean, what a great place to be. But if I'm in a stuff manufacturing business, I'm not sitting at home twiddling my thumbs. I'm working 24-7 to get stuff produced and manufactured so I can go out there and sell it. So meanwhile, all this has inflationary implications, but nothing like we had in the 70s. We're going to have higher inflation. It's going to be a little stickier. Not going to be 2%. Might end up being 25 or 3%. But, you know, nothing to be afraid of, but something you got to hedge your portfolio for. You know, Bob, I just like the fact that we're always mutating. I'm keeping a mental note of that. But, you know, I think it's kind of this virtuous circle right now. And this is what can invariably make the economy continue to boom because the thought is, okay, prices are going higher. Companies are going to raise their prices. And I think the wrong narrative here is, well, then the consumer is going to be in bad shape. That's not true. You know, we're sitting on more cash after this pandemic than we had before this pandemic. And the reality of it is if wages are going up, we've got a consumer's balance sheet or the American household right now is just in great shape. And they're anticipating the inflation. We all know it's coming. So we're less price sensitive. So companies raise their cost, but we keep buying. And that essentially keeps the economy moving and grooving for the foreseeable future at this point. Well, the other thing too, guys, is like, you know, the, really the only way to combat inflation in your portfolio is to be invested in equities. So I got to think that some of that money, those trillions of dollars that are sitting on the sidelines right now have to find their way back into the market. You know, Chris, you could be more right. I mean, the point of fact is that there's a lot of wealth being created right now. In the last two years, think about this. In the last two years, U.S. household net worth went up by $32 trillion. That's trillion with a T. We're closing in on as a country between the, you know, the rise in real estate, the rise in the stock market, the rise in everybody's net worth, $150 trillion. And meanwhile, right, interest rates are still low. Debt service is almost non-existent relative to net worth. So you have all this extra money. Where's it going to go? Into the bank account? I don't think so. I think it's going to go into the stock, bond, and commodity market exactly where it should be right now. Yeah. Or it's going to get spent in the economy. And I think that's where economists always get it wrong. They're always like, we're going to have this big one sugar high of everyone spending their money at once. But you know, we do have a more conservative American consumer. It's hard to believe, but we've seen the debt being paid down by consumers. And we've seen that people have been much more judicious with how they spend their money. And it's not just going to be one big wham, bam, that's it. It's probably going to be more of just a steady spending spree that happens over the course of a couple of years. And again, because wages are going up and because people are wealthier, it's much more sustainable than I think anybody thinks. You know, I think a lot of these economists are very negative about the fact that this economy can continue to boom. Well, well the proof's in the pudding, right? I do probably four to five reviews a week with my clients where we review everything from what their income is to what they're spending. 
And I have to say over the last 18 months, my clients have cut their spending anywhere from 25 to 50%. So you're absolutely right. People are becoming way more cognizant about what's going out the door and they have a lot more money that they're putting away into their savings at this point. So that's a problem with inflation right now because it's expected. I mean, the manufacturers expect inflation. They're passing on to the consumer. The consumer expects to pay more. So it's already baked into the cake. You know, we're going to have higher inflation because everybody's okay with it. And meanwhile, when you have to get workers, you're not just paying new workers more, you're paying existing workers more. That's kind of sticky inflation. So we're going to have higher inflation. We're going to have higher interest rates, but we're going to have higher growth. And you have to make sure you're in position to take advantage of that higher growth. Yeah. And I think that's the point here is inflation is not necessarily bad, right? Inflation is indicative of the fact that the economy is booming. It's kind of one of the consequences of having a booming economy. You know? So I think that's the other part of this narrative is it's not bad that prices are going up. It's not bad that wages are going up. Ideally, wages go up faster than companies' costs do, which because productivity gains, they probably will be for quite a while. Now, at some point, this could get out of kilter, and we'll point that out to you on our podcast. But for the time being, it's like, man, oh man, it's hard not to be an optimist right now. And I know people say you know, that Ryan Chris. Bob, they're Pollyannish. We're not. We're telling you how it is. And you know, we don't want you to miss out on the fact that right now, this is as good as it gets. You've got to be invested right now. You've got to be optimistic on the future because this is not the sign of a weak economy. It's a sign of a very, very strong, hot economy. And that's actually the point, guys. You know, you got to focus on the facts, not what's interesting. Hey, it's interesting that they're going to raise the debt ceiling eventually, right? They're going to fight over it. It'll come down to the last minute and they'll raise the debt ceiling. It's interesting that we have this reconciliation bill. Yeah, maybe it gets passed. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe it's three and a half trillion. Maybe it's a trillion, but it's over 10 years. It's not going to have the big impact that you think because it's already priced in the market. You're going to have taxes go up a little bit. Inflation's going up. Growth is going up, but you've got to focus on the facts. Don't look at what's interesting. You know, nothing to see here. That's just noise. Stay invested. Keep that cash working. The market's going higher. Hey, I hope you're enjoying episode 55, Pain Points of Wealth. We have like tripled our listenership over the course of the last couple of months. So we want to thank you for the support. If you like our podcast, you love it. You want to hear from Bob Ryan every single week and Chris too, maybe. Please click on that like button, subscribe. If you're on iTunes, give us that five-star rating and leave us a comment. If you're on YouTube right now, you can click the like, subscribe, click that little notification bell. So you can be updated every week as we release our new podcasts. Thanks for the support. The more support we get, the more we'll continue to build this podcast and do it every single week. All right, gentlemen, it's the tipping point. This is where we pinpoint the pain point, P-A-Y-N-E, having the biggest impact on your wealth right now. So Bob and Chris, given the fact that we manage over 2,000 families at our firm Pain Capital Management and about a billion dollars, depending on the day, sometimes above a billion, below a billion, but basically a billion dollars. You know, what we found is when we're advising our clients is when we're building a financial independence plan, it's a lot like building a flight plan or having a flight plan. So I thought we could talk about those similarities, make sure our listeners' financial plans are in check. Well, since we're going to talk about flying, guys, you know, my old belief is why sit in the back when you can sit in the front? Now, Rob, you and I like to sit in first class, but Chris, he actually wants to sit in the pilot seat because he knows how to fly. He loves flying. He's got that uh, Microsoft flight simulator. I think he's, what do you have, about 3 million hours on that thing now, Chris? At this point, I should probably be a professional pilot. I feel like I could land the plane if it was ever an issue. <laughs> yeah, we had that discussion the other day with that Delta pilot. You knew more about the cockpit than he did. <laughs> like anything else in life, it's always really important to have a plan, especially when you're flying. You got to have a flight plan. You know, and your flight plan is going to be dictated by what the weather's like, you know, what are the prevailing winds? How many passengers do you have? How much fuel do you have to take? So 
you know, it's really important before you take off to have a good idea of not only where you're going, but how you intend to get there. And that same thing applies to your investment portfolio. You know, it's not really about, do I want to make the most money? Do I want to fly as high as possible? The idea is getting to your destination as safely as possible. Yeah, it makes sense, Chris, because you can get to Florida faster at a G4 than you can a prop plane, right? So it does matter what kind of equipment you're flying and it does matter what you put in your portfolio. Well, the whole idea here is you've got to have the flight plan first, right? And this is the biggest knock on our industry is you end up with Bob likes to call that proverbial collection of investments. Like there's no rhyme or reason for what you own. It has nothing to do with where you're trying to get to. So, you know, you got to establish, I mean, it's common sense, but most of us don't do this. Just like if you know you want to go to California is you've got to establish exactly where you're going. You know, what does that mean to you financial independence? Does that mean retiring at age 65? Does it mean maybe taking a break from working when you're in your 50s or your 40s and taking a break or being able to go out and do a career that's different than what you're doing now where you get paid less because you saved, right? All those things need to be determined. That's essentially your flight plan. You know, this is all such common sense. And you would think, you know, when you watch the commercials on the financial news channels, on the propaganda channels, as I call them, and they talk about planning and getting to your goals and retirement with an income you can't outlive, you know, we look at 50 prospective clients a month. And every single one of these folks we've spoken to over the last 10 years, we say, give us a copy of your plan. Show us your recent update. Show us your wealth projection. You don't have one. It's unbelievable. It just blows my mind that planning is such a core issue. Having a flight plan, having a financial plan is just like so core to your success as investing. And you don't have one because there's so many salesmen out there just selling your products. They're not investing your money based on your needs. Well, that's a good point about the products that, you know, a lot of times, especially in aviation, it comes down to the proper vehicle. I have a client right now who has a piston powered prop plane and he's looking to upgrade to a turboprop. And he's also looking at potentially buying a jet. And what we determined is looking at between the two airplanes is that the jet is, got, is really cool, but it's not necessarily going to get him to his destination faster. It's just going to cost him a little more money and have the cool factor. The turboprop is going to do the exact same thing. And the same thing comes to your investments, like having the more expensive, actively traded investment isn't necessarily going to guarantee you better performance or guarantee that you're going to get to your goals a lot quicker. Yes. And our industry is just like guilty of creating these quote unquote sexy products, whether it's like a hedge fund or, hey, I can get you into this private equity deal that no one else has access to. And you think you're getting something really, really special. But the reality of it is, and Bob, you're the one that's always said this when we were younger, was like, if Wall Street's telling me that I'm getting in on the ground floor on something, don't walk away, run away. <laughs> Wall Street is never letting you in as an insider, but they always love to pitch products and make you feel like you're getting in as an insider. And it does kind of suck. You know, when you find out that maybe owning a low cost index that everyone can buy is your best option and there's no exclusivity to that, I get it. You know, it's like going to the club where there's no line, whereas the club with the big line ends up being a disappointment if we were to use an analogy of clubbing as opposed to flight plans. But that's the harsh truth of investing. Hey, Chris, your brother's so hard on Wall Street. You know, when you look at Wall Street, they have this binary responsibility. One is responsibility to the investor as a fiduciary. And the other is to their shareholders or their managers or their corporate holders, you know, to the bottom line, profits, right? That's their other binary responsibility. And it's amazing. Profits went out over their fiduciary responsibility almost every day. It's like human nature. It's unfortunate, but they don't really care about the investor. Well, Dad, you know, Ryan always talked about the two out of three rule. You know, the broker made money, the investment company made money, the client didn't, but two out of three ain't bad. That's pretty good odds. I don't care what casino you're in, Chris. 
Well, the other thing about a flight plan is, you know, you're going to have turbulence along the way that comes out of the blue. You know, I remember being on a flight a couple of weeks ago and we literally had one of those drops where you feel like you're going for a free for all. And of course, I jumped out of my seat. The woman next to me was cool as a cucumber and she looked at me and said, are you okay, honey? <laughs> and, you know, basically, you know, I didn't look very, very noble in that situation. But, you know, the point is that's what happens with the markets. Like that pandemic last year, no one could have predicted it. It came out of the blue. The drop in the markets came out of the blue. And it's not how you react in that moment. It's about having that proactive plan ahead of time. Like you always have to be prepared for turbulence in your portfolio. And we know this, like, as Bob said, when we look at like 50 portfolios a month, most of you don't have that plan. If the world falls apart tomorrow, you're not protected. And that's why we always take your portfolio through that stress test to tell you, like in a bad market, you're screwed. You know, right. Turbulence is a great example of market volatility. And you know, the thing you got to remember, just like in investing, the airplane is built and designed to get through turbulence. Your portfolio is built and designed to get through that turbulence. The question is, is can you handle it, right? Can you get over the emotional hump of that rocky ride to get to the end destination? Yeah, that makes so much sense. And that's why you need a good pilot, right, Chris? I mean, a plane doesn't fly itself. I mean, you could put an autopilot, but when it hits turbulence, you want a pilot in there that has gray hair like me and scar tissue and stomach lining. You want somebody who's been there before. You don't want some newbie pilot. Same thing. You don't have, if you know, you put together a financial plan, you don't just write it and forget it. You need a pilot to navigate through these turbulent times and to take advantage of the volatility. I mean, we made a killing last year, you know, when that market dropped 35%, not by selling, but by buying. And you've got to have a strategy that allows you to do that, both, I think, psychologically, emotionally, and also because it's the smart thing to do to stay on plan. Right. I don't know if I really went dad in the cockpit. Most planes are computer driven nowadays. And I spent almost all night the other night fixing dad's computer. So I don't know about that, BP. I think Bob would look great in one of those captain hats. Trust me, guys, I'll never fly an airplane. I never want to be in that front seat, but I do want somebody who's competent in that front seat. And I also want somebody like me running the portfolio, not some pilot. There you go, Bob. I like the confidence. But no, in all seriousness, I mean, that's what it comes down to is, you know, you've got to design the portfolio that is going to be able to withstand with volatility. And that's what we look at all the time is we see portfolios and we see all those holes and we see the fact where you're not protected. And these are what we call blind spots in your portfolio. And that's where having some experience does help. Like having someone can think about the things you're not thinking about because you can't really account for everything. It's kind of like when a plane's going to land, they don't do it by themselves. They have ground control because ground control has a bigger view of what's going on. And I think that's like one of the best. And again, look, you may invest your money on your own. You may use a professional. But the ideal of having a professional is somebody that's thinking about the big picture more so than anybody else can, that can see a bigger picture. And I think that's what it's all about because you only know what you know, and there's things you can't see, just like the pilot in that cockpit can't see everything. That makes sense, Rye, because you know, you fly in the fog, you can't see what's on the runway, you can't see what's ahead of you, you need your instruments, you need some guidance. Same thing happens when it comes to the markets. Nobody can predict what's going to happen. You know, you got a 50-50 chance of the market being up or down tomorrow. You don't need someone who can predict what's unpredictable or know what's unknowable. You need someone to keep you on plan, someone that keeps you invested. That's the only way to compound your money to achieve success and to achieve wealth. Bob, Chris, and I now have a collective 75 years helping individuals just like you with their planning and investing. This is literally what we do every single day. Everything you hear on this podcast, along with some due diligence of your own, can help you get ahead financially at any stage of your journey. But if you're thinking to yourself, I need a more hands-on approach, I want a bigger view of what I'm doing right now, 
Well, you can see if you qualify for a complimentary financial review by myself, Chris, and Bob, if you have over $750,000 saved for retirement, simply go to www.paincm.com slash financial plan to see if you qualify for our holistic financial master plan where we will do a deep dive of everything that you own. We'll go through all your investments. We'll show you what risks you have in your portfolio. We'll do a complete savings and income plan to make sure you're on track with what you're saving for retirement. And we'll look at how to build a portfolio for you that's completely financially secure so that you can live off your portfolio. You can be financially independent. And we'll show you exactly how to optimize for taxes, where you can also lower costs in your portfolio. We literally look at everything. Simply go to www.paincm.com slash financial plan or click the link below. If you have over $750,000 saved for financial independence, simply go to www.paincm.com slash financial plan to see if you qualify for a free financial review. Hey, hope you're enjoying episode 55, Pain Points of Wealth. We have literally tripled our listeners over the course of the last couple of months. It's been awesome. Thanks for the support. Please, if you like our content, love our content, give us that five-star rating on iTunes, leave us a comment, like, subscribe, forward this to anyone else who can benefit from our content. And if you're seeing this on YouTube right now, you can click the like button, subscribe, click that notification bell so you can be updated every single week of our new episodes. Your support will help us continue to do this podcast. Let's keep it moving in the right direction. Thank you. All right, boys, the hidden facts of finance, random financial facts that may surprise you or even shock you. Bob, state pension plans are now funded over 80% for the first time since 2008. Almost every state has enacted some sort of reform to lower costs, prioritize funding, and or impose more discipline in managing future liabilities. There's one thing I know about state pension plans. There's no discipline. Last time we had a big booming bull market, they all went out and increased the benefits instead of putting money away for a rainy day. Like, oh my goodness, the last 10 years performance is going to be the same as the next 10 years. No, they don't get that. They don't understand that your markets go up and down. You know, hey, I'm happy to see they're 80% funded. That won't last. Bob's not buying it. Chris, the total value of US stocks is now over $51 trillion, a $16 trillion rise from pre-pandemic values To put that $16 advance in perspective, it took over 200 years from the founding of the earliest U.S. stock exchange in 1790, all the way before the 2007-09 financial crisis for the stock market to create its first $16 in value. Wow, that's an amazing amount of money in the course of a very short period of time. Well, if there's any doubt as to where you should be investing your money, a $16 trillion increase in just 18 months, I don't know, guys, sounds like the stock market's the place to be. Meanwhile, during a pandemic and a global shutdown, to boot, pretty crazy. Bob, hedge fund blues, the $4 trillion hedge fund industry returned 13% as a whole through August of this year. That still lagged the S&P 500 index, which returned 20% in the same period. However, investors eager for diversification and downside protection that hedge funds promise but typically don't deliver They've still put $18 billion into hedge funds in the first half of this year. No, Rye, it doesn't have anything to do with diversification. It has to do with how we're wired at birth. You know, I was hanging out with your new nephew the other day. He's two weeks old now. And guess what he's attracted to? Shiny objects, right? You get a shiny object, you get his attention immediately. That's what happens to you as an investor. You don't want to diversify. You want that shiny object, that hedge fund that promises outsized returns. Unfortunately, you don't get it because the costs are too high. Hedge funds make a lot of money. Their investors don't. 
it's again like going to the club that looks really crowded on the outside, but when you get inside, it's so empty, just like your hedge fund performance. Chris, Facebook was recently the fifth most shorted name or bet against in the US, according to S3 Partners, a market intelligence company. But over the past year, investors betting against Facebook have taken a $2.44 billion in losses. You know what, Rye? The only thing that you're going to get from shorting the stock market is a shortness and longevity in your portfolio. Amen, Chris. Shorting the market is treacherous. And also it speaks to Facebook with all of their issues, all the regulatory issues. Everyone says they hate Facebook, but everyone's on Facebook 24-7. It just speaks to the fact that people are engaging on Facebook. They're making a ton of money off advertisers. You know, it's very dangerous to bet against the stock market ever. All right, gentlemen, great show. Thanks for your support. Please subscribe, like our content. Great episode. As always, stay loose and keep an open mind. Thanks for listening to The Pain Points of Wealth. Hopefully you found the ideas discussed in this episode valuable and useful for your own financial journey. You can find out more about Bob, Brian, and Chris's firm, Payne Capital Management, at BeBullish.com or through the contact information found in the description of this episode in your podcast player or app. Join us next week for another episode of The Pain Points of Wealth, brought to you by Payne Capital Management. Information provided on today's show is provided for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed.